It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. On today's show, we endeavor to name at least five giants. <laughs> I have a message on behalf of Peter for Luke Braun. Zoe and ZD are chewing up the walls because they need more space. Free Zoe and ZD. <laughs> and I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings. Uh, no, they're in. They're in there. To protect me, not to protect them. I'm just saying, Bugs plenty Bunny more rabbit carrots. talk, and we might even talk football coming up next on the Minnesota Football Party. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Welcome into another Minnesota Football Party on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Glad you're with us today. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on YouTube at Locked On Sports Minnesota. You can find us on the Roku or Amazon Fire apps. I'm joined today by a trio. Um, I'm part of that trio. Tom Schreier at T Schreier 3. He's the founder, contributor as well to zonecoverage.com. Luke Braun, Contributor to that website, by the way, he's at Luke Braun NFL. He hosts Locked on Vikings and the Locked on Vikings postcast. Ron Johnson joins us mid-show as he does every Thursday. We also expect to be joined in progress by our regular panelist, Arif Hassan of Pro Football Network. Uh, on today's program, what are the lingering lessons from Vikings Colts and the colossal comeback? Why have the Giants become more frauds and the Vikings have continued to win uh, the two teams that nobody believed in at the beginning of the season. And we talk about the possibility of KJ Osborne wide receiver two. We'll get to that in the four minute drill, but we start with Vikings Colts. Uh, Tom, we didn't get your take on Monday. Uh, mm -hmm. So let's get your take today. Vikings Colts. What is staying with you from Saturday's epic comeback? A defensive improvement. I know Bron wrote about it, and I just steal Bron's takes usually, at least his knowledge. That's why we have him on the website. <laughs> but, uh, but no, in all seriousness, I think like when they were up, the Colts up 30-0, the Vikings had only given up 144 yards of offense and one touchdown, right? You're talking about pick six. You're talking about block punt. Um, defense held in, in critical spots um, with bad um, field position. And I think that was enough, obviously, for – Patrick Peterson to walk in the locker room and say, hey, we only need five touchdowns. And apparently they could score five touchdowns, but uh, in the second half. But yeah, it was just, it was defense improvement. I don't expect it to be locked down. I knew that there would always be kind of a, a shift here going from, from Zimmer and what he was capable of doing and the memories of that 2017 team um, to a more offensive focused team. And, and the fact that, you know, Donatel and O'Connell in some capacity switched over um, to a whole new scheme that probably the players don't really fit and you have aging guys and stuff. So um, didn't come in with a ton of expectations for the defense this season. Obviously, they failed to meet them in a very serious way in the, in the last five games. But um, I assume if they can kind of hold this together, at some point, this team is supposed to win with offense. I'd like someone, maybe it's Luke Braun, can do this project to figure out, like, historically, how many teams have been bottom five in defense three straight years and how many wins do they have? Because I feel like the Vikings now for three years are kind of overperforming how bad their defense has been. Uh, Luke Braun, what lingers with you? What what stays in your memory? What did you learn, I guess, from Vikings Colts? 
Uh, it is kind of the same thing Tom was talking about. Um, they were a man coverage team in that game, and that's wild for them. They have not been like a cover one, let's just man up and beat the guy across from us kind of team at all this year. They've been soft zone, too high shell, all that like super umbrella stuff. Um, but in that game, they just kind of lined up and won. That's wild. And maybe they can do it again against the Giants who have just as bad a wide receiver core. That's kind of what keep what I what I can't get out of my head is it, did they just figure out how to cover? Um, if so, or if even if they just they finally got another page of their playbook because they only had about two this whole year and oh my they got a third one that's great. <laughs> I I mean, it, it's so funny. Like Patrick Peterson keeps saying, well, you know the the Ravens won the Super Bowl with like this terrible offense and really good defense. Like basically saying you can have this like really unbalanced. I just don't think the offense has been that good, and the defense can't be that bad for them to even win in the first round of the playoffs. Um, and Donatel, I love Donatel. I think he's like there, there's some culture aspect to him. Obviously, at some point he's going to have to coach a little bit better, or the team can't give up 400 yards in every game. But he keeps saying you can't use the yardage to measure. It's hard. It's intensity. It's grit when they're by the goal line. That <laughs> like, press conference yeah, was the boomerest press conference I've ever seen. <laughs> oh my god! Was this yesterday? I watched it yet? Yeah. Give me the TLDR. At... All right. He spent like three minutes just talking about how you like can't measure heart and it wasn't yeah. like a like yeah. an analytics thing it was all just about it was like this old guy i love you guys kind of thing sounded like something that that like a, a drunk barfly who's like a little bit too touchy would say it was amazing <laughs> i i mean he here's the thing he always comes in super positive even so the, the last one wasn't as intense but the the one obviously after he'd given up an NFL record amount of yardage. Like there was a lot of media sitting in that room and he always comes in, he always like breathes in the air. And it's kind of like this moment of Zen. And like, at least in this, this latest one, he's like 103 yards or years of football, man, never been a 33 point comeback. <laughs> and I was like, I'm glad he can stay positive. Having said that, like, obviously at some point, like, I don't know if it's a personnel thing or whatever it is. I know Donatello's famous for like a fourth and 26 play in 2005 or whatever, but like, Whatever it is, they're going to have to him. fix this. But I do give him kudos for being positive through all this. Um, so defensively, I think we're we all agree, good performance. I mean, four point three yards per play, very nice passing yards under two hundred. Held them to to field goals three out of four times in the red zone. That's all good. Um, the Colts are absolutely punchless in the way of weapons, and they lost Jonathan Taylor after two seconds. So it's not as if the Vikings stopped the greatest show on turf here. However, are the Giants, in fact, more punchless Colts? They bring in Barkley, and that's it. So Barkley is sort of the equivalent of Taylor, and the Vikings didn't have to face Taylor. Um, but let me give you the top five yards from scrimmage guys on the Colts and then the Giants and you tell me who is worse so for the Colts it's Taylor Pittman Paris Campbell Alec Pierce and Dion Jackson that's their top five Giants Barkley Darius Slayton Daniel Jones with his legs Richie mm -hmm. James and I'm squinting here Wandale Robinson um, who is the Good Lord. <laughs> the more punchless five? I mean, here's the thing. Braun's going to give you the right answer, so I'll start with the wrong one. I think I still think the Giants are more dangerous. You you had like Matt Ryan back there, who is like immobile. I know we talk about immobile quarterbacks, but dude, he's old. And like, I I understand like they got some sort of rushing or like running attack on or whatever. But Daniel Jones, I do worry a little bit about like the dual threat quarterback against the Vikings. You know, like we have to think back even like you know stats you don't see like justin fields taking off and burning the defense and it was like a holding call or something that held it back like they they've just had trouble in those situations and guys run on them so i don't know i still think that the as much as matt ryan's more experienced and probably a technically better quarterback um daniel jones's legs and the fact that you know they can run barkley against the the Donatel defense it seems like more of a threat to me you know you're old if you're Matt Ryan when they bench you for a much younger starter, and that much younger starter is 33. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it has to be 
God, Jesus, this is awful. Um, <laughs> the skill players of the Giants are more punchless, I think. But I, I think just because of the difference at quarterback, like Daniel Jones, he's been he's played a lot like Matt Ryan played, uh, getting the ball out quick, you know, short passes, kind of dink and dunk, dink and dunk. Um, but he also has that threat of his legs, and that's like something, you know, like that can get you out of a third and 11. Matt Ryan does not have such tools. And I also think at this point in his career, he just can't make the throws that somebody like Daniel Jones can make sometimes, um, which is not a compliment to Daniel Jones's arm. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Jones. Oh my God, Good this sucks. At not throwing interceptions because they just don't he throw protects the at ball. all. He plays a very responsible brand of football. I don't know if that makes him more or less punchless and responsible. Like, I don't know. That's a compliment you give to your lawyer, but <laughs> I think right, with the here's my... Colts being more punchless just because like, I mean, Matt Ryan has been benched twice this year. By the, by the owner once though, the owner did bunch him once because he wanted to see that young quarterback. But, uh, yeah, I but think it was I, I also mean, my... like not that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was his second worst decision. But uh, the uh, I do love Frank Reich watching that game, being like, "Yeah, the Vikings are going to break my record against you guys." But I think, um, <laughs> what a weird day you know, what had. I wonder is, would we think about that game, the Colts game, significantly different if the special teams played better? And it feels weird just picking on the special teams, given that Joseph obviously is making the kicks now. And that Mac Daniels has kind of become a star, um, at least within Viking circles, and they played pretty well. Um, and I would argue kind of where the strength or where us strength, at least early in the season. But like given the field position they put them in, um, given, you know, you have a block punt against a, a former player who, who blocked it, um, you know, just kind of the mishaps there. You know, the, the Vikings had talked about when they were sneaking by early. They're like, well, we're a three-phase team. Like the vicious cycle started because – uh, in the first half against the Colts because of special teams. I kind of wonder if, like, the special teams yeah. had just played better in the Colts game. We would have been like, hold on, wait, this was the blowout, right? And that sounds insane, but look at what happened in the second half. So maybe the Giants is the chance to rectify that, fix the special teams, have your first part of the year. All right, we bring Arifas on into the mix in one moment. First, I'm going to tell people about betonline.net, the number one source for sports wagering info, stats, news, and analysis we track the lines every week at betonline.net in the NFL. The Vikings are favored by four and a half. Money's actually coming in on the Vikings instead of the opponent. Imagine that. Favored by four and a half at U.S. Bank Stadium. You can get all the lines for college bowl season as well. The Gophers play in a week against Matt DeBritz's Syracuse Orange. If you love sports podcasts, you can get those at BetOnline as well. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or on your mobile device, BetOnline where the game starts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Arif Hassan joins now. Hey! hey. Uh, Arif, we were just going to talk about fraudulent football teams and not necessarily the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings and Giants were both 6-1 and one at one point. They were both considered to be frauds. The Vikings, for the most part, have kept winning. The Giants have come back to earth. Why did the Giants regress, and what have the Vikings done to stave off that regression? Uh, okay, so if you take a bunch of teams that are that are playing unsustainable football and you say, hey, these teams are going to regress, uh, not all of them will just by the way variance works. That's part of it, right? Part of it is just you take a bunch of teams and you say all of these teams will regress. You could be right about your analysis on all of them, but some of those teams 
are just not going to regress as much, at least by the measures that you use, for example, like wind. I would also say that there is some possibility that the Vikings are playing better football, and in particular on offense. I think that over the past three weeks, we've seen Kirk Cousins play a more consistent brand of football, which is something that we've been kind of hoping to see all year, right? Because if he gets to play well in the first drive and in the fourth quarter, there's a lot of in-between that can happen that can derail your game that's going to make that fourth quarter irrelevant. And the Vikings, for whatever reason, whether it's special teams, whether it's defense, whether it's you know the quality of the opponent that they've had, you know haven't had to deal with that problem, right? Uh, and so when the, the concern was when they go up against, you know, these teams in the playoffs, they won't be able to overcome those problems that occur in the second and third quarter. Well, now they're playing a little bit better. And I think a lot of that has to do with what they're doing offensively. I think that Cousins is playing a little bit more in time. He's playing a little bit more accurately. I remember at the beginning of the, the season, we were talking about how, you know, Cousins was actually playing a lot less accurately than we're used to seeing from him. Right. Um, so I think that's all playing a, a, a pretty big role. I would also say, you know, if, the changes that we saw in the second half of the defense for this Colts team, you know, uh, blitzing just a little bit more, playing a lot more man coverage than we're used to seeing from them. If that continues, I mean, I think that that's probably better for them. I think that that, you know, could give you the team that uh, you're kind of hoping or expecting to see with a 10 or an 11 win team. So by the time we get to the playoffs, we could very well see the team that we were hoping to see throughout the season that managed a couple of wins that, you know, you know, quote unquote, maybe they didn't, you know, play as well to earn. Um, and it's going to be kind of an interesting, uh, you know, process for them, or it's going to be an interesting process for us to evaluate and break down because this is exactly what the Vikings were talking about. Like, hey, we've got a ton of stuff to work on offensively and defensively. We're not playing up to our standard, but it is nice to have some wins in our pocket along the way as we figure out these problems. And that's kind of exactly what might be happening. It's kind of what they say every week. Hey, it's better to fix problems when you win than when you lose. Um, Arif, because you missed the opening segment, you might not know the answer to this. This is a great test of your national writer uh, capabilities. Uh, family feud style, can you name top five giants in scrimmage yards this season? You get three strikes allowed. Scrimmage yards. Oh, this is tough. Saquon Barkley. Yep. Uh, Daniel Bellinger? No. Uh, no. Dang, one strike. Man, he's been playing really well. Uh, Darius Slayton. Yes. Richie James. Yes. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins? Nope, two strikes. He's seventh. Okay. Uh, man, okay, I don't... One is obvious, I think, and one is not. One is obvious. Huh. I, yeah, I'm definitely missing something obvious here. It's not. It's not Kenny Galladay. Incorrect. No, I think I think Daniel Jones with his legs. Oh. I thought that that was the obvious one, and then Wandale Robinson. Oh yeah, Wandale was Robinson. number yeah. five. Point and being, Daniel Jones. Like, it's just like a scrimmage yard. You don't think of the quarterback unless like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's game breaking. Unless it's right? like, like specifically I, Justin Fields. <laughs> right, like if it's but, Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts, like I, Josh Allen might be top five, and I wouldn't have picked him. Right, <laughs> like it's just, <laughs> you know, it's 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 unless it's like the game that they're playing, it's tough. But like, but that isn't that the difference between the Giants and the Vikings? Why they regressed? Why the Vikings haven't? Because the Vikings top five is Jefferson, Cook, Thielen, Osborne, Hawkinson. Compare that to Barkley, Slayton. <laughs> Jones, James, and Robinson. Like, just a, a no-name well, bunch of David generic Bellinger last names. Where's Bellinger on that list? Bellinger's like eighth. He's behind Hodgins. He is uh, has 201 yards from scrimmage. Right, well, a lot of that's coming the last couple of weeks. I think he's good. Um, but, yeah, that, I mean, that's that probably plays a role. I think also the fact that their secondary keeps on getting banged up, right? They lost um, Adoree Jackson, uh, I think, to an injury. They lost uh, Xavier McKinney to an injury. I think it was a hand injury. I mean, that all plays a role, right? So I think that that's um, a big part of it. But it's not as if the Vikings haven't had their own injuries that they've overcome, whereas the Giants haven't. So I think also the Vikings, uh, in some areas where we didn't expect them to be deeper, a little bit deeper, at, like at defensive back, I think that – you know, seeing Duke Shelley and Nikhil Evans play up to the level that they played at when they were called upon was nice. You know, the Giants didn't really get mm -hmm. exactly get that. Um, and also, like, you you go down, like, they didn't have Wondell Robinson for a good chunk of the season. They didn't know how good, like I said, Danny Bellinger was. Um, so going down that list was pretty bad for them, whereas for the Vikings, 
I mean, the receiver group's a little bit better. They haven't had too many injuries there, but just their depth at the places they've been injured has been a little bit better, which is interesting because that's the thing that we've been criticizing, uh, I think, throughout the season, especially like along the defensive line when they've had to call upon those guys. But, you know, the Giants, that I mean, that roster's in a bad spot. Uh, speaking of wide receivers, why don't we do a four-minute drill? Here's the, the prompt, and then we'll run the animation. Would you be comfortable passing the baton to K.J. Osborne? As a wide receiver, too, next year, if things don't work out contractually with Adam Thielen, that's the prompt. It's the four-minute drill. Start the clock. It's time to execute the four-minute drill. Our guest, Tom Schreier, can get the first crack. You've got one minute on the clock to make your case. K.J. Osborne, wide receiver, too? No, I think I like him in the role he's in. I actually thought at one point maybe it's a more minimal role if you bring in a wide receiver too. He seems like it, he doesn't need touches. I know he's coming off a fantastic game. I know he's done things for Justin Jefferson and the rest of the offense that we don't see making sacrifices. Um, however, like you think of in New England, he literally stole an interception for Kirk Cousins, meaning it was in the defender's hands and he was like, nah, that's mine. I, you know, I think... Uh, he's capable on third down. He's capable if you wanted to go in the red zone. He's a guy you want to be in the mix and part of the roster. Made an incredible leap from being essentially a fifth-round bust, uh, a guy who wasn't a great returner uh, in his in his rookie year, to having a great camp and and, and uh, stellar play in the second. But I wouldn't make him wide receiver too. All right. Uh, this is kind of a situation where it's like, uh, what do you trust, the numbers or your lying eyes? And it is really tough, you know, uh, what's what's the truth here? Because Osborne's been playing really well, uh, you know, on the film and, you know, in the offseason, we're able to watch him, you know, in training camp and stuff like that. Uh, and the thing is, I think the Vikings should probably make an investment that would allow them to produce a wide receiver two without necessarily committing to a wide receiver two. It's like a first or second round pick at receiver doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but a third or fourth round pick to compete with KJ Osborne, I think would make a ton of sense in case Osborne isn't playing as well as it really seems like he is on the film. But I really like, you know, he seems to have more speed with the Vikings than he did in Miami or at Buffalo, right, when he was in college. Um, I, I, he's playing with a lot better in terms of ball tracking, something that he just didn't really have a ton of. And obviously he's a much better route runner now, but most importantly, I mean, he's just getting open, right? Whether it's because of his speed, his route running, whatever, he's getting open and, you know, Maybe in Vikings camp, it was tricking me because the Vikings defense was worse than we thought. But you take a look at the film, and he's actually doing a pretty good job getting open. But I wouldn't trust him to be the wide receiver, too. I would just say, hey, there's a strong possibility to be the wide receiver, too. If not, we're going to make a moderate investment in a receiver, you know, a guy that you'd be comfortable with being a wide receiver three, a guy you'd be comfortable with being a wide receiver two. But I wouldn't give him the job outright. Ron? I love what K.J. Osborne has done this year. Um I, the the clutchness of it all, you know, game winners and all that. Um, I absolutely adore what he did in this comeback. I think he sparked it. Uh, Eric Hendricks has said as much. Wide receiver two is a lot for him, for for me to believe in with him. I think he has been he's been good this year, though a little inconsistent. There have been games where he's been where he has struggled to get separation. Just a couple of them, but that's enough to give me a little bit of pause by making him the you know, next guy up. What if Justin Jefferson gets hurt? Now he's wide receiver one. That's part of that job. Uh, and I feel a little nervous about that, about the offense, you know, having to go through him. I think if Thielen, like, I don't know, retires or whatever, and you're thinking, well, do we pay for like a wide receiver three type or a wide receiver two type? Um, I would say he gets a chance to compete for the wide receiver two job, I think, but I think giving it to him outright would be an overestimation of what he can do. Yeah, in the final seven games last year when Thielen was, I, I think it was about seven games where Thielen was dealing with that ankle. He was kind of, you know, impaired uh, when he was trying to play. Osborne wasn't spectacular when he was entrusted with wide receiver two. I think he had about 42 yards a game in that stretch. Um, and in fact, didn't have a 100-yard game until, um, you know, last week. And that's partly because Justin Jefferson exists. And the Vikings are in this weird place where they need to invest in receiving talent around Jefferson to protect Jefferson. They need to have players that can take attention away from Jefferson, but they can't really invest a lot financially in those spots. So with Osborne, I would love to lock him up at a like semi-long-term team-friendly deal now and just have him around. For the next three, four years. Yes. Like if they could give him three years, 21 this offseason, 
I would do that in a heartbeat. Now, my guess is, is that Osborne sees that he's clearly not the number one guy here, and he'll probably bet on himself next season, go into free agency, and probably get paid pretty handsomely. But if the Vikings could have it their way, I would give something to him now, something moderate, something that keeps him around as that sort of de facto number two until he gets unseated by a draft pick. But I think you have to go uh, draft and develop around Jefferson because you can't really invest Thielen money much longer in that wide receiver too. Uh, would everyone else agree that you probably can't have like a massive eight-figure salary on the books next to Jefferson? Tom, what do you think about that? Yeah, actually, my thought process was more like they draft, like gamble in the draft and try to get the wide receiver too. It's unfortunate for Jefferson that there's just not much money to go around um, and that they're going to have to kind of be creative, I guess, in how they find their, their wide receiver too. Yeah, what would you give uh, – what do you think K.J. Osborne has earned, either Luke or Reef? Like, what do you think the market rate would be for him right now? So it's tough to figure out. Um, I mean, the market changes every year. And if you look at this year's market for receivers, it's abysmal. So we're going to get uh, some severely overpaid receivers because the talent's not hitting the market oh. this year. Uh, and so mm -hmm. it's going to be kind of tough to, to figure out, you know, what a receiver value really is heading into the next year. But I, off the top of my head, uh, I don't know, like a six and a half million, seven million dollar a year deal. I don't know. Um, kind of projecting this based off of a cap that raises like 10% every year makes it really tough to compare to, to previous. But knowing that receivers are getting upwards of like $25 million a year now, uh, seven seems like pretty appropriate for a guy that's not at the top of his market, that's going to be competing for a wide receiver two job, that, you know, if he were on the Giants, would certainly be like a wide receiver one. But um, would be, I mean, yeah. it's like, I was I was just talking to some Giants guys. They, they think that Jalen Rager would be wide receiver one, which is not true, but that... <laughs> That's how tough things are there, right? He could be wide receiver uh, too. Ah, uh, he might be. Uh, you know, I had a Richie James minus Darius Slayton. I don't know. It depends on who you like more, but there's a possibility. But I, I don't know. I feel like for Dable, you got to be able to run routes. So it might be tougher I, than that. Yeah, Seri yeah serious question ones, about Rager. Yeah. I, want, I want an answer on this because when you ask the Vikings about him, they, they're like, we see why he's a first-round pick. Obviously, Matt Daniels likes him in a – really unique way but like um even west phillips was like i can see <laughs> but I, I can see uh uh i can see why he's a first round pick however they keep saying and like phillips really drilled down on this he's like there's things he missed in training camp now i'm inclined to believe that can't be that fatal because like hawkinson walked in and was perfectly fine um but yeah like to you guys do you see like first round talent do you see like raw skill there and he's just not like not technically sound or do you think this is just a matter of like he's probably a bust he's probably just a really good returner uh, that talent was, that sure was pretty, well it's it's tough because there's a bunch of really great athletes that go in the second and third round and the reason they go in the second and third round is not necessarily off-field issues right they're really good athletes that are really underdeveloped and you kind of expect the development to kind of come but you don't have a strong history of development to draw upon right what separates a first round raw athlete from a second or third round raw athlete i think one might be like age and development potential but another one might be just kind of you know when you do stuff like interviews uh or you run them through drills they kind of adapt really quickly to what the coach is asking of them right or the kind of offense that they ran or what translates and what doesn't uh and for me he certainly is athletic uh, you know, enough to be in that conversation among those super athletes that gets drafted in the first, second, or third round based off of their athleticism. But this talent curve, this development that we've seen uh, from him, his ability to kind of pick up instructions quickly, I don't, I don't see that guy, but that's because you know, a, a first-round pick is almost never based entirely off of their, their physical qualities, right? Like the best athletes will most likely go in the first round. Um, Jalen Rager is not even the best athlete. He's just a extremely good athlete. Um, you know, for me, it's like, hey, we see, we, like, the Giants, another example. Kadarius Toney, Wandale Robinson, right? Really great athletes. Would you take them over Rager? Knowing what we know now, um, maybe, but it's it's really just kind of a question of um, can can you teach them something quickly and have them pick up on it and for you to be able to trust that in big situations? A lot of those first-round picks, that's true even if they end up busting, right? Cordero Patterson actually, you know, I, I hear he wasn't, like, remarkable in interviews, but he did pick up some stuff pretty quickly, right? And so you first-round pick, super athlete. I don't – that doesn't seem to be the case for Rager. I would He's take run like Rager 36 as rounds a wide year. receiver prospect over Treadwell and Patterson. Now, Patterson has reinvented himself. 
But as yeah. a pure wide receiver, I, I think I would still take Rager just based on his tools. However, Luke, maybe you saw this, and maybe Arif, you did too. The all 22 of Rager stopping on the route, and on the sideline, you get a great look of Kevin O'Connell lighting him ire. up. He's so – I've never seen him mad at a player like that like he was at Rager in that moment. And I thought that was pretty telling because usually that that's like a boy if – Ju, if Justin Jefferson makes that mistake, he's not getting that reaction. I mean, that's oh, a yeah. repeat mistake. That, that's, and it all yes. – it's left over from the previous interception. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Luke, I interrupted you. What were you going to say? Yeah. How many times has Rager done something like this? I can think of three off the top of my head, but I don't think that's it. He's run uh, 36 so he's, routes. So he's run 36 routes, and he's made three at least critical errors, is what you're saying. Yeah, that's horrifying. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't care so what it flash. He keeps running the wrong so, yeah, route. That's, you can't put yeah, that so, so I was going to say, like, do you, is the Cousins one, the pick six, is that an option route? Is that he can stop there no. and he can move? Or is that he just supposed to stop? I, uh, option is such a difficult word to use for some of these routes because sometimes it's – they won't call them option routes. They'll just say it's a zone, sit, right? You have to read the defense. And like option yeah. routes sound very similar, right? Yeah, option routes sound very similar, but they're based off of leverage, right? And they're based off of decisions that the quarterback and the receiver kind of make together. Here it's in the play, right? That, you know, against the zone you sit, right? It just it doesn't make sense to to cross, uh, you know, their face uh, in a zone, right? It makes more sense uh, in man coverage to to beat the trailer, right? So... It's not really an option route, but you do have to change your route based off of what you're mm -hmm. seeing. The thing is, if you cannot read a defense, you cannot play a receiver. And this, the yeah. other interception, you think he was like a fourth read or something and he didn't think Cousins would progress to him? Like, I just don't understand why he's just stopped running there. I don't think anyone understands. I don't think he tracked the ball. Oh, I don't think he got his head turned no, and he lost, no, that he lost sight of where he was. That doesn't make sense. You're, I mean... Uh, if you don't know where the ball is in that situation, most receivers would keep running because, again, this is about crossing face. If you're in a deep zone, you cross the safety's face as middle of field close, you keep going. That's, you've got them beat, right, because their leverage is gone. Uh, they have to flip their hips. It is, like, in that situation, yeah. you very rarely would have a, a reason to, to stop your routes. So if you can't see the ball, you're better job. You you better race to the pylon because that's likely where it's going to be. I don't think it's. But doesn't that explain thing. why KOC was upset because of the size of the error? Yeah, but that's what I mean. It's like if you don't see, yeah. like it can't just be because he didn't see the ball. Is what I'm saying. Maybe he didn't see the ball and he made the wrong decision based off of that lack of information. But like that heuristic is wrong. That that thought process is incorrect. Um, that, that sounds like so totalitarian to say it out loud like that. But that is, that's like the wrong way to think about <laughs> yeah. um, playing, that, playing that route. On that kind of concept, which is like a, a I know it is a, like a Yankee. I know they have a different word for it. Um, is I don't believe that is one where you're like supposed to sit if it's two high safeties. I think that's one where you just, you go at the pylon because the goal is to get one of those safeties in conflict. So you go at the pylon and sitting down yeah, on if, that if, I, I don't know if he lost the ball or if he sat but i do not believe that is the play i think the other one there, it's a leverage thing and it's a, am i far away enough did i split these guys enough i'm trying to find a soft spot in a zone and i think cousins you know he just wants you at ron johnson he's coming on he said it on his show you got to just play basketball and he just said you know you you've got leverage on him you've got space on him you're standing right in front of him box him out i'm going to put this ball right on you and then he like drifts away yeah, jt sullivan said the same right thing him. like you, you talk to any yeah. former player about that play that has offensive experience they say the same thing so it seems like a pretty universal thing on that first pick that second one is like the only thing i can think of is that if rager starts his route out wider and it is a middle of the field up like a split safety you're supposed to angle it up a little bit towards the post maybe but only like he's yeah. running from the slot right like that doesn't make any sense yeah, I, I looked I, so yeah, hard I, I, for I something where it's it. like a sit or like a zone or something. I couldn't find it. I don't know. Maybe there's something else in their playbook this year, but I, I yeah. think he just beefed it. Yeah, I mean, the, We've if got it Ron... was understandable, I don't think O'Connell would do what he did. Yeah. Right. Uh, Ron Johnson coming up in a moment. Before that, I'm going to tell you about Built Bar and the most wonderful protein bars on the planet. You can get the following and just – Put them in your stocking for yourself and just say that Santa brought them for you. White chocolate peppermint granola. Yes, please. Candy cane brownie puff. Mm-hmm. Just 
load up on these unbelievable, reimagined, universally loved built bars. They're revolutionizing nutrition, bringing you joy with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories. Sink your teeth into that, change your life. They're the best protein bars in the universe. They're magical for a magical time of year, and you can get a bunch of them at Built.com with the promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off. Get 15% off your order right now by using the code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Let's see who was lucky enough to get invited to today's party. It's time to meet our guest of honor. His name's Ron Johnson. He hosts the Ron Johnson Show, and he's on Twitter at 3 Ron Johnson. He joins us every Thursday on the Minnesota Football Party. Ron, uh, are you itching to unveil the whiteout swag for the game on Saturday? Have you shown it to anyone yet? I've not. Everybody saw it. I'm not itching. I'm actually itching to unveil my roll the boat bag. I went to go for practice today, and uh, PJ Flight hooked me up. He hooked your boy up with a bunch of stuff. I got some shirts. I got a hoodie. So, you know. <laughs> I'm excited to unveil my roll the boat swag because I mean I haven't even looked at it yet, but this stuff is uh you know some good gopher stuff. I, I you know I joked around about all my Adidas stuff. I didn't have a ton of gopher stuff, but now you know he took care of me, so I'm gonna be good. I got a hoodie for the bowl game. I'm ready to go. So yeah, so PJ and the, and the staff appreciate you over at Gopher Football. It was a great practice day. Got to see Ethan Calig Manis uh, go to work today with these young receivers. Uh, saw Chris Altman Bell. Got to talk to Tyler Newbin. Mo Ibram, who uh, he did promise he's going to come on the Ron Johnson show as soon as the season's over. So we'll get right. uh, the gopher running nice. back record, record holder because he's only 50 yards away. So he will be the all-time leading rusher in gopher football history, and he's going to be on the Ron Johnson show. So we'll get him uh, once the season's over. It sounds like PJ is just buying, buying you off now, Ron. You're a big media guy. He's trying to buy your loyalty and your favorable coverage. I think, I think you might have fallen for it. Hey, if, if, if swag is, is falling for it, unreal, and the Vikings figured that out four years ago. So I'm good. I'll, I'll take the point. Uh, Ron, uh, uh, let me ask you one, and then we'll go around the horn here. What, what do you make of this Giants team and this Giants matchup? Like, is this – do the Giants offer potential to sort of shock the Vikings like the Cowboys did when they came in and just blew the doors off after that big Buffalo win – do the Giants have that in them to really take it to the Vikings in the same way, or do you see this more as an even game? Well, the two games the Vikings lost that were were like, okay, this team just dominated with Eagles and the Cowboys. What do they do well? Quarterbacks move around in the pocket well, and they can hurt you with their legs. Daniel Jones can hurt you with his legs, but I'm not too convinced that he can hurt you with his arm. I think he makes a lot of mistakes. He, he makes a lot of callous throws. Um, he throws late sometimes because he doesn't really throw receivers open. He wants to make sure the receiver's open. And uh, this defense does a great job recovering. Uh, you will have Cam Dantzler, but it looks like Duke Shelley probably is going to get the start. Who knows what that's going to look like? So you could have Duke Shelley and Patrick Peterson. Uh, you will have a Harrison Smith, so that's good. Uh, not sure about Daniil and, and Zadarius. Uh, the only thing that the, the Giants do uh, that could get dangerous is their run game is really good. And if they're running the ball well, that's taking time off the clock and that's leaving Kirk Cousins on the sideline, giving uh, the Vikings less time. I mean, the Vikings ran 61 plays in the second half last week. That was the most in the NFL by far. I mean, that's just ridiculous when you think about that, where some teams run 65 plays in the entire game. They ran 61 plays in one half. And so if if uh, Saquon Barkley is, is moving well and his offensive line is doing a good job, of uh, blocking, and we've seen the Vikings blow some gap integrity stuff on the defensive side when it comes to the run game. It can become a long game. So that that's the one scary thing is that they can run the ball really well. I wanted to ask about Jalen Rager because I think you can see raw talent and why he was a first-round pick. They certainly value him on special teams. Is it a matter of him 
running routes incorrectly? Is he just wasn't in training camp and didn't, didn't develop chemistry? I guess, what do you see from him? What do you think his upside is? Yeah, so his upside, of course, is speed. We see that. They, they tried to take the top off with the uh, the deep overcross route, and he just stopped running. Uh, the problem with the deep overcross is it's about four seconds. And so sometimes that internal clock as a receiver, too, when you run, and in his mind, he's running, and he sees a DB in front of him, and he just assumes, like, oh, I'm covered. It's going somewhere else. And Kirk's like, no, I'm going to give you a chance, bro. Like, keep going. Like, it's you and this guy one-on-one. I think you make that play. And I personally think if Jalen Rager keeps running, he makes that play. Like, he makes that play in front of the pylon, uh, probably steps out of bounds, maybe gets a pass interference because uh, DBs aren't that smart when they're in open space. It's, it, it's like it, it's like when you see white girls in scary movies, easy option is just jump in the car with your friends and you fall over the blade of grass that's all the way over there to the right. Like, that's where Jalen Rager went with that. Because we know it's not the black girl. The black girl probably dies in the credits. Like, at the very start, the black girl gets stabbed. And she didn't even wake up yet. She didn't even get a chance to say one line. And she's dead. her white roommate wakes up and she's like, oh, my roommate's dead. What's going on? And instead of, like, running, she sits there with her dead stabbed roommate. And then they try to figure out who stabbed her. Um, like, we got to figure out who this killer is on campus. No, you got to get on the flight and go home, crazy. Like, like what's wrong with like, <laughs> But it's anyway, that, that is, uh, unbelievable <laughs> analogy. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that a movie? Is that a specific movie? Or did you just. That's clearly that an well, accumulation. That's, that's a history, yeah. Yeah, the the movie, the birthday movie where the girl keeps dying, Death Day, I think it was called, where it was her birthday and she keeps dying over and over and over again, and she has to like solve her own crime. That was one of the scenes. Like she woke up and just like tripped. I'm like, how do you just trip waking up? Uh, and then, like, you know, anyway. So, uh, that sounds like a great movie. Oh my gosh, she dies like yeah. 80 different ways, and one of them she just like trips out of bed. That's so good. Yeah, she just trips, and she gets stabbed there waiting on her. Um, but when you think about the whole the DB on that play, like he he couldn't believe it either. He's like, "There's nobody over here, and you're throwing it to me." Like, appreciate his Kirk. Um, but Jalen Rager, in my opinion, too. The, the I heard you guys talking about the, uh, the 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 middle of the field route when you when you're in the slot and you have another guy inside of you. Both of you have hooks. If it's man, you do uncover, so you can uncover a little bit right or un, a little bit left. It was zone, so there was no reason to uncover. I think what Jalen Rager felt was the dude behind him. And he thought it was man, not realizing it's two high safeties. It wasn't two man. It was like a two man shell. And the guys just stayed in their area. So that was just a, a and, I, and I've been there before too. I've, I've run a, a shallow before against the Tennessee Titans. I'll never forget in the Ravens. And Kyle Bowler probably is a walk in touchdown if I just keep running. And I thought it was zone and I actually stopped. And the guy was on my back. And all I had to do was kind of, you know, hesitate, keep going. And it's a touch, walk in touchdown. And I just read the covers wrong. So it happens. It happens to young guys. Um, it's one of those things, though, yeah, like part of it is is uh, newness. Uh, part of it is um, uh, chemistry. Uh, and part of it is, honestly, though, like TJ Hawkinson's not having those issues. Part of it is just he needs to get into the playbook a little bit more. Like TJ Hawkinson said, I don't want to be tagged. I want to know all the plays. We're not seeing those mistakes with TJ Hawkinson. So Jalen Rager just has to, you know, some guys have to spend a little bit more time with the coach in the film or with Keenan McCardell. Like, that's what's going to happen. You mentioned, uh, you know, the, the 61 snaps in the second half. I think they played like 90 snaps over the course of the whole game. Um, when that yeah. kind of happens, is is the practice the next week? I mean, it, obviously it depends coaching staff to coaching staff. But do they, you know, ratchet back the practice because of the recovery that you're going to need for the next week? Because the playoffs are coming soon, that kind of thing? Or is that just kind of a, wow, that's pretty tough. Uh, we're, we're running 60 routes today. Good luck. Like, how, how does that work with the Vikings and how does it work with your experience? Yeah, I think every coach is different, but honestly, it's week 15. So I, if they ran 50 plays or 500 plays, I think practice is going to be dialed back anyway. Uh, when, when you're this far into the season and you know you're guaranteed at this point a playoff spot, um, you, you kind of do ratchet it back a little bit. I think you, you pump it up Friday. And so P.J. Fleck does this too. They call it Fast Fridays. Um, you pump it up a little bit Friday, no pads, but you run full speed. You get the you get the heart pumping and the body going just for a little bit. And maybe the Vikings do it today on a Thursday. 
Um, but you, it is Thursday, right? Yes, yeah, Thursday. <laughs> I got to get my days right in the holidays. It always throws me <laughs> off. Um, but you, you pump it up one of those days. So today might be the ratchet up day where they go really, really fast. No hitting, no, but like, let's go full speed, fellas. Let's get the timing down. Uh, Friday, maybe the light walkthrough and then go to the hotel and then play Saturday. But I, I think the biggest thing with that is it is what it is with the NFL. Like if you get 90 plays, thank God. I think the key to that too we're forgetting is the defense was getting off the field. Like the defense had the number one, they had the number one second half defense in the NFL last week. They hadn't been number one in the NFL since, I mean, shoot, what, 2018 maybe? Um, so they had the number one second half defense in the NFL. When you talk about plays run against them, you talk about yards gain, and you talk about first downs, like they were number one. So that was another part of them. That defense turned it up and they realized, look, we got to get our offense back on the field so they can keep scoring. Because when you get two touchdowns, now the defense believes. They're like, oh, shoot. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's get them back on the field. So it was a collaborative effort. Like, it wasn't just 60 plays on the offense. It was also the defense getting off the field and, and stopping uh, the Colts. And, and maybe Jeff Saturday choking a little bit, not running the same plays he ran in the first half. Who knows? Um, but at the end of the day, it was collaborative. But, yeah, you, you're going to rest. You're, that, that's a lot of plays for an offense to run. You're going to rest. We were talking about K.J. Osborne and potentially being wide receiver, too. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that topic. Would you trust K.J. Osborne? as a wide receiver too if adam thielen were to retire or leave or, or whatever do you think he could take that mantle yeah, yeah yeah no for sure i think he can take it now i think with adam thielen's injury and uh kind of being you know hurt when you see him get hit in the, in the ground he, he limps off you know gets the trainers just gets back which means it's a bruise that when everybody lips off and they come right back that just means it's a bruise got a little stinger or something in the knee or whatever it is, and you can feel the pain. You have to get off for a little bit, let it, let it, you know, go away and then come back. Um, if you can save Adam Thielen and help him stay healthy for the playoffs, I think KJ Osborne should be too right now. Like he's shown he deserves to be wide receiver too. He's shown he can handle that that load. He's shown he can get the team going. I mean, his catches and his plays and his energy being down that many points, uh, where some people like he caught a ball, he kind of celebrated looking at the camera. And you know there were a bunch of people like, dude, you're losing by a 30 right now. Like, what are you doing? But it got the energy of the crowd going. Mm -hmm. It got the fans going. It got the players on the sideline going. It gave Kirk Cousins confidence to keep going to him. So, yeah, I think he deserves to be wide receiver, too, for sure, this game even, because, I mean, I think he's earned it. I think he's shown, like, hey, give me the workload. I can handle it, and I can make big plays, and he's healthy. I think that's the big difference. If Adam Thielen was 100% healthy, I'd say leave Adam. But the fact that he has been hurt here and there, um, I'd say give KJ wide receiver two right now. Just let him let him take you to the playoffs. Osborne just gets so many tough yak yards too. He a lot of tough yards. Doesn't go down easily. He's fun to watch run with the football. I believe he used to be a running back in high school. I think he's got mm -hmm. some of that skill set oh. left in him. Okay. Um, in closing, Ron, would you like to hazard a prediction for Vikings Giants final score? Uh ooh. ooh. It's tough. Um, I, I, I truly feel it, and I, and I don't know why, because um, I felt like the Colts game was going to be close. I said that. I think there's going to be – I don't think there's going to be their blowout game, but I do feel like they should be able to win by 10. Like, I, I think this would be like a 14-24 game um, or like a 30-20 to 20 type of game. Uh, I feel like this should be a game where it's a two-score at the end. Defense just has to hold them knowing they need two scores, and then the Vikings finally, like, people should be able to go home Christmas Eve. I'll be doing the fan line. Um, but I should be able to, after the fan line, I should be able to have a couple drinks because it's nice and calm and relaxed, uh, you know, sit up and watch maybe some Home Alone or something, uh, you know, <laughs> order 10 pizzas from Little Nero's, uh, pay 122 uh, 54 because inflation on pizza hasn't happened. Uh, but I think a 10 point, I think get a 10 point win. <laughs> By right, the way, Ron, I did that, I, I did you... that tweet. My tweet got 2 million. It's probably a 3 million. I haven't looked at it today. It was 2 million impressions, like over 20,000 likes and retweets and comments because I just tweeted I ordered 10 or I, I was about to order 10 pizzas and it was 122.39, which was the same as the 122.50. And I joked like inflation had happened. And then some politician from uh, North Carolina, I think, quote tweeted me and said, thank you, President Biden. And I'm like, oh my goodness, here we go. And so now I'm getting crushed. I'm getting crushed about like inflation or pizza. Um, and people are literally like some verified account tweeted, like, y'all are weird screenshotting 
your ten pizza order just to prove this dude that inflation did happen on pizza and the size change. You know, I'm like, and, you know, talking about shrinkflation. That's shrinkflation, mama. The pizza is smaller, and so that's why the same price. Like, man, I'm, I was just watching Home Alone. I wasn't trying to create like a, a, a national story about Joe Biden and inflation yeah. on pizza. Uh, <laughs> You've got the pizza truthers, the inflation truthers in oh, your man. DMs. That's unbelievable. Ron, uh, oh, yeah, good I luck the, uh, sifting through. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah. That's that's uh, that's how you love to spend the holidays. Uh, Ron, thank you, thank you for your time, and we'll uh, see you on the roundtable tomorrow. Uh, appreciate it. Oh, yeah, tomorrow, man. I'm excited. I got a good topic for you guys. If people want to tune in and watch after, we're going to talk about Christmas movies. And are some of these Christmas movies or not? We're going to throw that in there. Oh, we got to do Die Hard debate. I see. I'm sure mm -hmm. Die Hard is in the mix. All right. Hey, look yeah, forward yeah. to that, if Ron. Die Hard great. is not a Christmas movie, Home Alone is not a Christmas movie. So, hey, here we go. Okay. We'll, we'll bring that debate to the table. <laughs> I'll start gonna, prepping yeah, now. I'm not going to contest this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see you, Ron. A whole new uh, Good stuff with Ron. Good. I prefer this. That's, yeah. Yeah, this is a lot better, but holy cannoli, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, my God. You know what's not I was like, how did he get that number? Stand in, yeah, I think he actually tried to buy 10 pizzas. I, I don't know what the difference was in quality of pizza, though. Like, maybe high quality back then is the same as low quality now. I don't know, but... Uh, BetOnline.net uh, gives us the lines for our betting contest. We started the season with a thousand mythical dollars, and we've got a clear loser right now, and his name is me. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Here are the standings. Arif, you lead, 744. Inman hey. is in second with 640. Braun in third at 586. Actually a great battle for first. Right wow. now, the loser in line for the loser's punishment, his name's Sam Ekstrom, minus $3,824. <laughs> it's rough, dude. Rough week. So like 0 and 2 on max bets this week and fell deep into 2 the hole. On max we are bets. in leg breaking wow. territory. So Is not that, only do I need to go 0 and 2 on max bets before this? No, 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 no. No one's been in this kind mm. of hole, and I've still got three mm. weeks to recover from it. I need to go 2 and 0 on max bets, and then 2 and 0 again, and I am in the lead. So here's the question: Arif and Braun and Inman, who's not here. Do you play a prevent defense? Do you just run the ball for second and third down? Or do you try to put me away and throw the football with some max bets of your own? That's the strategy I would recommend, but we'll see which direction you go. Um, I said on Monday that I was going to change my strategy and prepare for this segment. That was my big change. Did I Did do that? N no, not at all. Um, but it's worked for me in the past where I blindly take the Thursday night under. So I'm taking the Thursday night under, oh. and I'm now looking at it. Jacksonville and New York, under 37. Mm -hmm. That is a very small number that I'm trying to sneak under, but I'm going to stick to my guns. Minus 110, max bet 1,600. Jags, Jets, I want a 3 nothing game. Uh, let's go to Luke Inman next. He's not here. He sent me his picks. What does Luke Inman take? Uh, Titans, Jaguars away from minus him. three. Okay. Can anyone tell me the Titans uh, line right now? It is uh, minus three against the Texans, minus 124. Minus 124. Right. Uh, people like that minus three yeah. line, huh? It's the Texans. He's taking, or he's putting 250 you, you bucks on it. Yeah. Arif, you're next. It's okay. <laughs> It's yeah. I mean, they picked the Cowboys, right? Uh, pretty close. Um, okay, so I really wanted the, the Jaguars bet, but not the over under. I wanted the Jaguars outright. I know the history of the Jaguars on the show, but that would have been fun. <laughs> um, 
Man, uh, I was taking a look. Was it the Lions? Who are the Lions playing? Because I have the Lions written down, but uh, I don't actually know mm. who they're playing. Panthers. Panthers. They are minus At, two and oh. a half. Panthers. Oh, yeah, I'm taking that. Lions two and a half against the Panthers. Um, I Sam Darnold's fine. He's playing better than I expected, but I don't trust him. Uh, it's minus one fourteen. Uh, I'm betting the minimum. I'm not. You know, I'm not taking the loser's strategy suggestion. That sounds dumb as You're hell. You're taking a knee. Uh, <laughs> You're gonna pay for. Yeah. That. Okay. You're gonna pay for. Okay. This. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm not competing against you until I'm competing against you. Right now, I'm competing against the Luke's. Right, Sam. When you become relevant, then I'll worry about you. You have a thirty-three point lead right now, and you are Jeff Saturday. <laughs> Bron, you get two in a row. Uh, sweet. Nobody took the one I wanted. Um, I'm sticking with the Bengals. They're the best team against the spread in the lead league this year. They just won me a max bet. I'm taking them again against the Patriots minus three at minus one sixteen. I'll put two hundred on it. Uh, minus three. God, that's a good one. The over/under. There are some low totals this week. Me, oh my. Uh, I honestly have no idea what to take. I didn't. Aren't there like far eight negative temperatures forecasted across the league? Like it's crazy yeah, cold. There's at least there's at least one thirty-two point over/under. Thirty-two. There's a 32 point. I don't yeah. see it. Saints and Browns. Saints and Browns. <laughs> My goodness. Um, well, I guess I'll just stick with the same thing, too. I'll just keep taking Vikings overs. Uh, 47 and a half. I know it's Daniel Jones. I know the Vikings defense has figured some stuff out. I don't feel very good about it until I put the min on it, but uh, Vikings have hit the over a lot of their games. So we'll just <laughs> keep. Not believing in Ed Donatel, I guess. <laughs> Minus one thirty. Best record against the over under, right? Is that, that works. <laughs> I think they're one of the like the the Vikings game overs is like one of the most consistent ones. Ah, well, you know, tracking uh, in season records against the spread doesn't typically work out. So, um, I am they just going they keep letting to... bad offenses score yeah i'm aware More i'm aware I, I believe vegas is also aware that's just kind of yeah um okay so i do not believe in this is tough i picked three over unders i don't like any of them obviously um i think i think the most fun i'll have watching hit the over though i think that's how i'm gonna pick because i, I don't like any of these is probably philadelphia dallas over 46 and a half points minus 110 i'm taking the minimum bet um the Dallas defense has not been playing well the past couple of weeks. I expect them to continue to play well, but defense is volatile. And uh, Dallas just finds a way to score points, even though Dak isn't, you know, 2016 Dak. So I think there's going to be points there. Um, Dallas is favored by seven. That's kind of weird. I think the Eagles will find ways to um, at least score some points to, to, to make it interesting. Sounds good. Luke Inman wants the Ravens under. Has that been taken yet? I don't think it has. Nope. Ravens Falcons under 35 and a half minus 110. Ravens Falcons under 35 and a half minus 110 for 250 bucks. And that leaves it to me. I need to go max and I will on the I mean, we already talked about these insane unders. I think I'm just going to take the over on the lowest one, Saints Browns. And just see what happens. That that is such a low bar, such a low bar to clear. Um, which are the famous last words? But I will take over thirty-two max bet at minus one fifteen. Come on, Dalton. Come on, Watson. Yeah, that felt icky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yuck. Maybe I don't want this. Um, at sixteen hundred bucks. All right, those are the picks. Uh, Tom, we kind of left you on the sidelines there. Where'd we screw up? Where'd we mess up there? Uh, that you're going to have to watch this Brown-Saints game. When I heard that under, literally I will not view that, even highlights of that game. That sounds terrible. <laughs> Serious. I'm hoping that so Taysom bad. Hill just goes straight wildcat on the bit. You need like one fumble touchdown and it'll like ruin the whole math of it. Are the Saints the least interesting team in football? Uh, it's always the oh Titans. It's, it's been the Titans for years. Ah, uh, true. 
Now I'm wow. I'm way more interested in the Titans. And like you're interested in the Texans because they keep. Oh, the Texans. Did you say the Texans or the Titans? No, I said the Titans. You said, yeah. I said the Titans. No, no, I think Titans are always the Saints with a a head coach that no one cares about, a quarterback <laughs> no one cares about, a bloated salary situation. The skill players aren't nearly as exciting as they once were. I think it's the Saints are so boring. Like that Saints Vikings game. If Dick Stockton was still a Fox announcer, Dick Stockton would announce all the Saints games. That's that's the level <laughs> that they're at. It's incredible. Um, Think about it. The, the Saints how many, nearly how many Titans tied, defenders right? can you name? How many Titans defenders can Titans you name? Titans defenders? Rabel. Yeah. I don't Who know. Plays? I'm not a national <laughs> NFL writer, Arif. Jeffrey oh, okay. So the Titans are not, not very interesting because you've not sought out information on the Titans. Got it. Thank you. <laughs> What's the next thing? What's our next thing? Party fouls. <laughs> Let's run some animation. It's time to tell you who spilled their proverbial drink on the sofa. Get ready for this week's party foul. Tom, why don't you kick us <laughs> off? Stock this video gets me every time. <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, it looks like his Jim Irsay. Like Jim like Irsay in yeah. general. I, I hate everyone on the show. The. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm trying to get a power foul out. I'm trying to answer the question. Um, you say in general, we're talking, yeah, I can't talk anymore. Um, he, uh, he benches Matt Ryan for a quarterback who wasn't very good. Then fires a coach for a guy who was on TV because he played for the team and has drinks with him. That guy, Frank Wright got to enjoy that game a lot. Um, seeing, seeing Jeff Saturday meltdown and, and the Vikings set a, a record, um, for their comeback. Also, didn't he waver on Dan Snyder? Like he was the hero briefly. He was the hero briefly. He was going to try to take Dan Snyder out of the league, start a revolution among the uh, ownership ranks, and now Jameer say on board with Dan Snyder. So that guy is like a walking party foul. He's committed many party fouls. Fantastic. That leaves me to take the easiest party foul on the planet this week. Referees. Oh my God. Easy. Thank you for leaving that one open for me. Now I don't have to think about it for the rest of the segment. Uh, the referees, obviously, they took away two touchdowns uh, against the Vikings as well. 51-yard punt return. We've covered that. They also took away uh, basically the Washington Commanders' win, right? Because they not only did Terry McLaurin oh, ask if he was lined up correctly, right? And the ref said yes. And then McLaurin moved up and asked again if he was lined up correctly, and the ref gave him the thumbs-up signal. And then they called him for not being lined up correctly. Not only did all of that happen, which, by the way, I guess a lot of people don't understand, that is literally the ref's job. Like, that, that is a normal thing yeah. that refs always do. I think people didn't understand that. Mm -hmm. um, they do that every also, play. Yeah. Um, if you ask, they'll tell you, and sometimes they'll tell you unprompted, right? Like, that's just a thing that refs do. Yeah. Uh, that's just part of their job description. Because they don't want to throw the flag. Uh, they want to prevent the flag. That's like yeah. their teaching point. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that happened. Uh, they get the game tying kind of touchdown. Remember, there's a two-point conversion they need to tie. Uh, would have been at least a much more exciting game had that happened. That gets taken away. And then just one of the most egregious pass interferences I've seen in the end zone um, against, uh, was it Curtis Samuel, I think? Um, just absolutely brutal that they missed that. So that was pretty bad. Uh, there were some other ref decisions throughout the week that were pretty bad, but I don't remember them, and I know they happened, and I trust you to fill in the gaps. Ron. Uh, mine goes to Adam Thielen for this week for taking three years to follow KJ Osborne back on Twitter after being his teammate. <laughs> this is from This is from the Adam Thielen mic'd up segment, and it was before the game, and KJ right. must have known that Adam Thielen was mic'd up runs right up to Adam Thielen, goes right to where the mic is and says, why haven't you followed me back on Twitter? <laughs> uh, I, I am pleased to report that Adam Thielen has now followed KJ Osborne back on Twitter. Very good mic'd up, very good field access, but where's PA in the booth? Where's the mashup of, of Paul Allen's calls? That's what I've been waiting for all week. And I've heard him eight times. I just want to see him like, like visually going crazy with Gabe Henderson and oh, Pete Bursich. Yeah. That's what I'm waiting for. Um, yeah, as as you're just tearing about... into Matt Hack? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> terrible punt by the Colts. Their punter's terrible. Doesn't belong in the league. Caught by Rager. Um, I've got an aggress an aggressive ABC song going on upstairs. I don't know if you can hear that, but my daughter's really belting it out. Um, I I'm giving a party foul Solid. to Aaron Rodgers for going on the McAfee show. <laughs> oh and yeah. Oh, and not reading the article. R- ripping what? yeah and ripping promoting it author for yeah for a nothing burger right promoting the article uh yeah. one day after clearly his hand signals came into play and he acknowledged it in a a missed a missed play to christian watson and he says that no you know this is a nothing burger of an article when there are a dozen players on record who talked about the difficulty of learning on record Rogers named sources signals. Named sources. In the building. McAfee, Not even disgruntled yeah, and, former teammates. In the yeah, building. current players. And and Aaron Rodgers and Pat McAfee both refer to them as, you know, these anonymous sources, which, I mean, that's just a reporting canard. I really hate it when people talk about anonymous sources like that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, that's a reason you can trust them, it turns out. But also, uh, no, these are named sources. Like, it, 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 just read the article before you try like, mm, Very obnoxious. Yeah. Good party. Super thought. obnoxious. And a good article too. I would I would go and read the yeah. article. Let's, uh, let's give this some more attention. Yeah, yeah. great work, uh, and great work to everyone on the show: Tom Schreier, Reed Fasan, Luke Braun, Matt DeBritz. Big thanks to everybody for listening slash watching. It's the Minnesota Football Party. We are on normally Mondays and Thursdays, but next week we're off on uh, the day after Christmas. So Tuesday, Thursday next week, we will react to the Giants and preview the Packers game. Uh, That was fun, everyone. Thanks for joining, and we'll talk to you next week on the Minnesota Football Party. Have a happy holidays. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.